0: Praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. So glad to have you here with us today. And before we get into the word, let's open with prayer. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name. And I want to thank you for this ability for us to be able to gather together, to be able to partake in your word today. I pray, Lord God, that as these words come forth, that they would bless those that hear them, Lord God, and that. You will prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your words today that they may get sunken deep within our spirit and come bubbling up whenever it is that we need them. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for this time and have your way with this message, Lord God. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. And if you don't have your Bibles, um, go ahead and pause this message and Grab your Bibles, maybe grab something to write with and, and, uh, and something to write on, uh, in case you feel led by Holy Spirit to take notes or to highlight anything. And then come on back and, and, and resume this message because it's always important that you never take a man's word for what the word of God says, but that you see it for your, that you see it for yourself. So if you have your Bibles, then let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to start here in the book of Luke. And let's go to Luke chapter 12. All right, we're going to go to Luke chapter 12, and we're going to go to verse number 35. All right? Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay. The main scriptures there that I kind of want to highlight are, is verse number 39 that talks about the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come. He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. And today I want to talk on the subject of how deception can keep us from being prepared. Okay, How deception can keep us from being prepared. We see in these scriptures the importance of uh, in this parable that Jesus is using here, the importance of making sure that the servant is ready to serve his master, because he never knows when the master is going to come and and, and want to be served. All right. So and, and, and Jesus is saying here that is not, blessed is not just the servant that is ready. But blessed is a servant that is ready at all times, in essence, is what Jesus is saying, because that master can come in the second hour or the third hour. And if that servant is ready, that master is going to bless that servant. And and, and then also that servant is going to be in a position to be ready to serve the master. Right. So we have to be ready. Scripture also talks about staying ready and being ready in season and out of season, because we never know when we might get called. We never know when God might call you call you to serve to serve someone. Whether it's serving in your church, in your community, with a family member, some serve, uh, uh, serving in, in the workplace there, you never know when God might, be, might call you. So it's important that we stay ready. And in order for us to stay ready, we have to recognize that we have to keep a watchful eye on what's truly happening around us so that we don't become deceived. Because while scripture here talks about the master coming and, 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 and come knocking at the door or come walking through the door, deception also comes knocking on the door. Okay, Deception can also come knocking on the door and, and present a shiny object that keeps us away from focusing on God that would distract us from what it is that God would want us that, that God would want us to do. If we are asleep at the wheel, if you will, we won't be able to recognize this deception when it actually comes. And we must be ready for Jesus return. But once again, if deception is present in our lives, we won't be ready if we let it take a hold of our lives. Okay. so what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at how deception can come in different forms and how deception would keep us from being ready and not and, and therefore not allow us to keep our houses, if you will, from being broken into Now, the first form of deception that we're going to look at is something that started way back in time. Way back, and really for us as as mankind, this is where it started. And it started with doubt in the Garden of Eden. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to go to verse number 1. That's Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. You can see here right there how how Satan starts to work. OK, he right there started planting some doubt by asking Eve, what did God say to you? And then he what he said here is, as God in, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So right there, that's how he's starting to plant doubt, because oftentimes what Satan will do is he will ask you, did you really hear what you think you heard? Is that what you really heard? And if that is what you heard, and we'll see how, and we're going to look at how Satan, how Satan flips this now. Is that really what you heard? And if that is what you heard, here's what that actually means. So Eve said to him, this is what God said in verse three, God has said, you shall not eat, or eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And this is talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then look at what Satan says. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Okay. Now, Satan is very subtle in his attacks very 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 subtle in his attacks. Now let's look at what let's look at how Satan uses this doubt and uses even in, in ways some common sense if you will and 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 tricks us into doing something that God wouldn't want us to do. Now in previous scriptures God told as Eve said here, God told them that they can eat of every tree, but don't eat of the of the fruit that's on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what Satan did here was he said, well, wait a second now. Let's think about this. It's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which means that if you eat of it, you're going to know good from evil. And what he said there in verse five was that for God knows in the day uh, that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So now what he does is he says, That tree is called the knowledge of good and evil, which means that if you eat that tree, you're going to know good and evil. And if you know good and evil, you're going to be like God. So what does Eve do? Eve looks at that and says, huh, I'm going to be like God. And hey, that makes sense. I see why the tree is called what it is. It makes sense that my eyes would be open to knowledge that God has. So if I eat this fruit, that means I will be like God. Serpent, you must be right you must be right so therefore i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to eat of that fruit that's how satan works that's how satan works the shiny object and this idea that i can be like god and 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 know the things that god knows and and if and if you look at us right as children of God, we always go to God and we ask Him for things. We ask Him for some knowledge. We study His Word and we have a relationship with Him because we know that He's going to give us knowledge of things that we don't yet know. Okay? And mankind over the years has always had a thirst for knowledge. As a matter of fact, scripture even says that man will forever be seeking, seeking, uh, seeking the truth but never finding it. In other words, you, you we go out and we try to find all the truth and all the answers to everything, but we won't find the answers to everything. And so Satan, even Satan knows this. And so he was able to use that thirst for knowledge and then saying, well, if you have this knowledge like God, you'll be like God. And he held up that shiny object, which was that fruit and the, the idea of being like God and Eve and Eve bought into it. OK, Eve bought into it. We also see something interesting here that's happening in, in verse number six. And this all is related to, to, to deception. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. OK, so when we use our senses, our physical senses, absent our spiritual senses, we will look at those shiny objects and say, wow, that looks really, really, really good. That food looks really good. And oh, by the way, I'm, I'm actually hungry. Yeah, that looks good. I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to take some of that. So she did that, and then what did she do? And At the end there, you said, she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So Adam there just assumed that Eve was doing right by God when she ate the fruit and didn't even bother to ask where she got it from. How many times do we as children of God do something because someone else that's close to us is already doing it? A loved one, a spouse, a family member, a friend, somebody that that, that we hold in high regard, If they're doing it, we must do it as well. If other people are going to take the word of God and twist it or 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 say that it should be changed because lifestyles nowadays are totally different and the word of God is outdated. So we need to, quote unquote, modernize the word of God. Do we go along? do, Do we go along with that, too, just because they're saying it or are we willing to stand firm and say, I'm not going to get wrapped up in that. That might sound good to you, but I know what the Word of God says about adding to it and taking away from it, so I'm not going to do that, all right? Adam here just assumed that, well, this is my wife, I trust her, we're married, she's got that fruit, she gave it to me, I'm just going to assume that it's not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm just going to go ahead and eat. We don't we cannot assume that someone is doing right by God just because of our relationship with him, because the devil will use anyone that he can to try to get us to be deceived. In this case here, he used Adam's wife. He deceived Adam's wife and used her to be able to deceive her husband. All right. Verse number verse number seven. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord uh they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden, okay? So their eyes were open. They got that knowledge of good and evil, right? Their eyes were open to that and they knew that they committed sin and that sin then brought about shame. So that's why they're hiding them. Sin brings shame. So anytime we don't do something in alignment with the word of God, we start to feel that shame. And that's why they hid themselves. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not that you should not eat? Then the man said, "Look at this now." Then the man said, "The woman who you whom you gave to 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 be with me, she gave me of the tree. Uh, gave me of the tree, and I ate." So here you see, Adam is in essence blaming God for his uh, for his mistake, because he said to God, "Look, God, you know, and and you gave me this woman, you gave me her. She gave me the fruit, and I ate it." So there, he's trying to point the blame at God and basically say, God, you know, if you didn't give me this woman, this wouldn't have happened in the first place. How many times do we, how many times do we blame our mistakes on someone else? I made this mistake, but it's not my fault. So-and-so did this. So-and-so did that. Well, God, you said, God, you did. God doesn't deceive us. And there are some Christians out there that will say, God put that tree in there purposely to get Adam and uh, to get Adam and Eve to stumble. OK, I have, I have heard Christians say that and and they will fight tooth and nail and say, yes, he did that. He did it on purpose. It's God's fault. It's God's fault. Now, how could you call yourself a child of God and then say that God is the one that deceived you? When we know scripture says that God is not tempted by sin. So therefore, if God is not tempted by sin, he wouldn't tempt us to be sinful. OK, but we all have free will. We all have free will. Eve exercised her free will and so did Adam and thrust mankind into into sin. All right. If you hear something and you're not sure if it's the truth, just ask God. Just ask God. There are a lot of lies being told all over the place. You can look at the social media, the news. You may even hear from family members and friends. But God's spirit will reveal what truth is and what it isn't. All right. And you see here again in verse 12, uh, let's go back to verse 12. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she she gave me of the tree and I ate. Verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So there, now, Eve then goes and blames the serpent. And we know... That God talks, uh, put, puts punishment on, his, on, on the serpent. We're, we're not going to get into that. But, but, but God cur- curses him and, 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 and tells him that he's going to be more cursed than, than any cattle in the, in the field. But there you see Eve then blames the serpent, blames Satan for her being deceived. Now, they both walked with God. Okay, Adam and Eve both walked with God. All right, And I can't imagine uh, what kind of sight that must have been for them to do that. They knew God on an intimate level, okay? They knew who he was. They walked with him. They were in tending, tending to his garden. If Eve heard this from that serpent, why didn't she just go and ask God, like, God, this serpent over here is saying something to me and you told me something else. I just want to confirm. I, I want to confirm with you. I, I want to confirm that I heard the right thing because this serpent is saying something else. Imagine if Eve would have just done that. Imagine if Adam would have even said, hey, where did that fruit come from before he ate? Right. Imagine how much better our lives would be if we just said to God, God, I just want to confirm that I heard your voice because I'm hearing something else. I'm hearing something else from these people that I trust, from this individual that I'm I'm with. I'm hearing something totally different that doesn't, I, I don't know if it's your voice or not, and I'm a little confused. Lord, clarify it for me. God will clarify it for you. God will clarify it for you. God will never contradict himself, but the devil will say the opposite of what God says. When you know God has spoken to you, then anything that goes against what he said is a lie. Okay? Anything that goes against the word of God and what God said and what he told you, it's a complete lie. But Satan will take, like he did with Eve here, he will take what God said And he will twist it just so subtly to make it seem as though that that's the truth. Okay, there's some truth to what you're saying. So I'm going to go along with that. And that's how he was able to plant doubt in in, in, in Eve. And then Eve was able to then get Adam to, was able to deceive Adam by taking that fruit. So that's a way that deception can get in our lives is that the devil will plant some doubt into what we heard. What we heard from God and have us thinking that what God said isn't actually isn't actually real. Another way that deception can enter our lives, and we saw this too, is, is by listening to loved ones versus listening to what God is telling us. All right, we saw that here, but we're going to look at another instance where this happened. Turn to the book of Judges. We're going to go to Judges sixteen. Judges 16, and we're going to start with verse number one. Okay, So previous scriptures there in, in Genesis, we saw kind of two things happening there. We, we saw how, how Satan planted doubt with, with, with Eve, and which allowed her to be deceived, and then that was used to get Adam to be deceived. Now we're going to go look at the book of Judges, and we're going to see how Satan could also use people that are really, really close to us to, to, uh, to deceive us. All right, Judges sixteen, verse number one. Now, Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city at the city gate. They were quiet all night, saying, "In the morning, when the, when it is daylight, we will kill him." Now, just some background information um, in, in some, of, some of the previous chapters. All right, Manoah's wife was given, uh, some, some, uh, an angel came and spoke to her and told her about Samson and that Samson, that she should never cut his hair. He shouldn't drink, uh, drink any strong drinks. He shouldn't cut anything unclean because God had a plan for him. And the source of his strength was in his hair so that she shouldn't cut his hair and not allow him to cut, to cut his hair. So in a way, Manoah's wife was given a secret by the angel. Okay. She was given a, given a secret there. And then Samson went out and decided to find himself a wife that was a Philistine, which was part of of God's plan so that he can that he can slay the Philistines. And then they ended up getting they ended up getting divorced because she tricked him with well divorced, if you will. She tricked them into uh, sharing some information that she used against him. And I won't get into all the details in there, but you can you can read that in some of the previous chapters. And then um, Samson, after those two split up, he ends up finding uh, this woman here, Delilah. And so that's that's where all of this picks up. And and Samson also killed about a thousand men with a th- with a donkey's jawbone. That's just some important context here, because we're going to see how the devil can trick us and how the same trickery can be can be played out um consecutive times and if we're not careful we end up getting deceived so samson was deceived by his pre- previous wife um by, by sharing with with some 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 men uh, a riddle that samson had and they made a bet that you know if you can guess this riddle then me samson i'll give you some clothes uh and if you can't if you can't guess this riddle you give me clothes and so his wife tricked them into telling her the meaning of the riddle she took that meaning and shared it with them and they ended up guessing it and they ended up splitting up later on. But you can read that in previous uh, in previous chapters and I would encourage you to, to do that. So we pick up here now Samson uh, and, and this harlot in, in Gaza. So verse number two, again, when the G- Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying in the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lies. And by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces, 1,100 pieces of silver. Okay. So here you see they're making a plot. They want to find out why is it that Samson is so strong. So Delilah, since he loves you, we need you to get some information for us. And then we're going to overtake him. And to do that, we're going to give you some money. Make no mistake about it, saints of God. You might not see it, but there are people that you might not be aware of that are trying to trip you up and they will do whatever they can to get to you. There's been a war on Christians for quite some time, and it's just been it's it's, it's just been escalated more and more and more over the years. OK, and it's a very public war. Right? It's not it's not a secret anymore. It's a very public war. All right. You can see you can watch the news and you can see where where, where all of these things, the, all, all these things are happening. You can see how policies are being written. You can see how people are, are, are being canceled or or, or or losing their jobs because they dared mention the name of Jesus or they dare live their lives as, as a child of God. All right. But no one wants to defend us like some of these other groups are being, that are being defended. OK. So there are people that are around us that, that are, are are plotting and scheming. So we want to be able to keep that in mind. And I'm not saying this to, to, to have you uh, uh, live in fear. Don't live in fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But also to understand that the people that are around you might not be who you think they are. And there could be some very evil schemes that someone is plotting against you, like we see here with, with, with the Philistines. Or with uh, excuse me with the yeah with, with the philistines so verse six so delilah said to samson please tell me where your great strength lies and what you may be bound uh, be be and what you may be bound to afflict you and samson said to her if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried then i shall become weak and like any other man so the lords of the philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried and she bound him with them now men were lying in wait staying with her in her room. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yawn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now, please tell me what you may uh, what you may be bound with. All right. So Samson hasn't caught on at this point. So she so he said to her, if they bind me securely with new ropes that they that they uh, that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore, Delilah took new ropes and bound him, uh, bound him with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, and the men lying in wait, staying in the uh, and there were men lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off, uh, broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson. Until until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me where you, uh, tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom, so she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom. And said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awake awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Then he said, Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. Now, remember earlier, I was talking about how in previous chapters, Samson was deceived uh, by his wife. All right. When he made the bet with those men about uh, about a riddle that he told. And if they could solve the riddle, he was going to give them clothes. And if they uh, if they couldn't solve the riddle, uh, they had to give him clothes. All right. And and his wife then kept pestering him and got the answer to the riddle. And then she deceived it and told those other men. So therefore he lost the bet. He lost the bet, if you will. Samson here is not even thinking about how that happened. And what's even worse is that three times Delilah asked him where his strength came from. And three times men came against him. He didn't even realize that, didn't even stop to think, perhaps she's in on this. Maybe you should ask some questions. Maybe I should ask her some questions about how come every time I'm telling you this men are coming after me. Okay, he's not even he's not even seeing that. But once again, just like before, when he was distracted and deceived by a woman that he loved, he's once again being distracted and being deceived and he's unable to see it. He is unable to see it. How many times. Do we allow ourselves to be distracted by things that come up over and over and over again? And we have no idea that we're being deceived. How many times does a loved one, someone close to us, say something to us? Or do we even bother to question it? All right. and I know some people say, well, I can never question my wife. I can never question my husband like that because that means that I don't I don't trust. It's not saying that you don't trust, but it's about. If I'm in tune with God and I know what God is telling me to do and, I can, and I'm i hearing from Holy Spirit, I know when someone, I should know when somebody is telling me something that goes outside of that. And it's not that I don't trust you, because I do. But at the same time, I understand that you're a human being, just like I'm a human being. And at the end of the day, the only way to know truth is with God. Now, this here, I mean, this should, be, should have slapped Samson in the face. I mean, this should have jumped out to him that here he is with this with, with with the in the midst of these Philistines, and here he is with this woman, and he can't see that three times he told her, granted, he told her a lie about what his where his strength came from, but each three of those times, what he told her about how he could be bound, it actually happened, but he didn't get bound. Okay. So he didn't even realize that, like, hey, I told you if this happens to me. Then I'll become like any other man. And next, you know, he falls asleep and what he said needed to be done, got done. And he and and he was still able to, to, to overcome it. He didn't even he didn't even see that. All right. Samson was gauging in these close activities with someone that was in the enemy's camp, but was unable to realize that he was being tricked. Like in previous scriptures, I uh, said he was being tricked and didn't even realize it. So it's important that we must remain vigilant in prayer Especially if God sends us into enemy territory. Okay? Now, it was all part of God's plan for Samson to, to overthrow the Philistines. Okay? It was always part of God's plan. But that was under God's direction. We have to be careful to make sure that we aren't going into demonic territory to try to evangelize. There's all sorts of evil that's happening around us. And we are strong, mighty in God as, as, as Christians. We can't allow ourselves to be deceived and go marching into enemy territory thinking that, oh, I'm a child of God and no evil can touch me and no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. And then you go out into enemy territory not being prepared for what's actually there because God didn't actually call you to do it. That's another way how the how deception can enter into our lives, that we think that because we are victorious as Christians, that we can go anywhere and everywhere And somehow that we can we can uh, change what's going on in there to to, to have God be the center of it. When the reality of it is God is saying, I don't need you in there. I will deal with that in my own way. You don't go there. All right. And here we see again, Samson in, in enemy territory and not paying attention to what's actually happening. Verse number 16. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all, her, uh, told her all his heart and said to her, No razor shall uh, has ever come, up, come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for for a man and had him shave off seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze feet and became a grinder in the, in the prison. Okay. Now, and we know what happens after that. Uh, um, he, he asked God one final time to, uh, he, he repented and asked God one final time to restore his strength. Uh, and he was able to knock over the pillars and he died with the Philistines um, there in that moment. But the point here in, in, is mainly that the devil's going to use anyone he can to deceive you. Anyone that he can, all right. Anybody that he can. In Samson's case here, and again, I know we didn't look at all the chapters, the, the other, the previous chapters. But in Samson's case, Samson's case here, the devil used someone close to him two times in a row to deceive him, and he didn't even see it. And he def- definitely didn't see what was going on with Delilah, all right. Like the Delilah, the the de- Excuse me. Like Delilah, the devil will lull you to sleep by distracting you with shiny objects. Once you focus on that shiny object, that's when he'll swoop in and pull the rug right out from under you. Okay, That's when he'll pull out the rug right out from under you. He got distracted by Delilah. The devil pulled the rug right out from under him. He told her a secret that he shouldn't have told her. He didn't realize that she was trying to deceive him. Sometimes God is going to tell you things that's not meant for you to tell other people. Whenever God tells you something, you should always ask say, Lord, is there anyone else that you want me to share this with? Because you never know, the people that you share that with might use that against you. The same way that Delilah used that against, uh, used that against Samson. All right? So we should always check to, with God to make sure that anything he tells us, whether or not it should be shared with others. So again, in these scriptures, we see the devil used someone very close to Samson to get him to be deceived. And Samson didn't recognize it because he was asleep at the wheel. All right. And he cared more for her than he cared about God, uh, in, in essence, because he didn't stop to think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be involved with this. Maybe I shouldn't be involved with this woman. All right. Another way that we can potentially be deceived or where, where deception can get in is by putting the opinion of others before God, before God's opinion. Turn to Daniel chapter six. Daniel chapter six, and we're going to go to verse. Number one, Daniel 6, verse number one. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps satraps, to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then Daniel then then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because he had an excellent because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now, Daniel at this point had already been promoted about two times. Right? He, he already was promoted twice. He was promoted under uh, Nebuchadnezzar when he was king for interpreting some, uh, interpreting some dreams. And, matter of fact, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were also promoted, which were some of Daniel's friends, after they were thrown into the fiery furnace and God delivered them. So, Nebuchadnezzar uh, promoted him for interpreting dreams. Then Belshazzar, who was the next king, he ended up promoting Daniel after Daniel was able to promote or was able to interpret some writing that was on a wall for for, for Belshazzar. And in both instances, when Daniel was asked to interpret both of those kings, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, they had people that were that, that, that were into sorcery and all sorts of witchcraft and fortune telling and trying to to see the future that that they couldn't even bring the interpretation that Daniel was able to bring and it's simply because Daniel had the spirit of God in him so Daniel proved that he that, that that through God that that through God he he proved that he was he knew what he was doing and he was and he found favor in the sight of those kings and was promoted twice and in this case here he uh, Darius is considering promoting Daniel uh, another time. He's already a governor and he's also considering now giving him another promotion. And we're going to see how this plays out in our lives and why this is important. OK, uh, verse number three again. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So now again, Daniel was promoted and even in this last promotion here as a governor, he was still distinguished amongst his peers because of how faithful he was to the work and more importantly, how faithful he was to God. So Daniel started making a name for himself and was promoted and is still shining, or if you will, is outshining and outperforming those that are, those that are around him, all right? And now what they're doing is here, you see in verse number four, that these powerful people are getting together because jealousy is starting to set in. They're starting to become jealous of Daniel. And now what they're saying is, you know what? He's doing a good job. He's doing an awesome job. We can't find, he's not making any mistakes. He's showing up to work on time. If you will, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. The King has no laws. We can't do anything to come against them. So we know that he's a Christian. So maybe we should come against him. Let's go ahead and attack his religion. All right. Let's attack, let's attack his religion. Verse number six. So these governors and satraps thought before the king and said thus to him, King Darius live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps and the counselors and advisors have consulted together. So these powerful people have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any, any God or man for 30 days, except you, O king shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the, de- the-, the-, the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the laws of the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Okay, so here we see again all of these powerful people in in, in powerful positions came together to, to, to attack Daniel because he was a child of God and they got the King and they were able to trick the King into deciding this decree that, that couldn't be changed. But Daniel didn't change, even though the circumstances around him changed. All right. Even though the circumstances around his, around him changed. Now he's, he's a governor. He's a high ranking official in King Darius's kingdom. All right. And he knew about this decree, but that didn't change. He got down on his knees and prayed three times that day, which was what he did in early days, according to verse number 10. How do you change when your circumstances changed? Do you change? Do you continue to seek God when circumstances get different, when circumstances get tough, when things around you get rougher? Or do you continue to seek God the same way that you sought Him before? Or do you even increase You're seeking of God. Or do you say, oh my goodness, things are just, it's just too hectic. I can't deal with it. Oh my gosh, I'm so worried. I'm so scared. This decree went out. This law was passed and and now I'm worried because this law is going to target me as a child of God. And I'm and I'm scared. So so I better not. I better not dare say that I'm a Christian. I better not dare speak against these evil agendas that are being being pushed. I dare not better not speak up. Speak out against these evil laws because they're going to know I'm a Christian. I got I I got to I got to hide myself. I got I can't do this. I don't want anybody to know like Peter did when Peter denied Jesus three times when they were looking for him. Okay. And they said to me, Hey, that's one of those ones that, no, that's not me to the point where he started cursing. Do we do those things when our circumstances change? Or are we willing to open up the windows and face Jerusalem, so to speak, and get down three times a day and pray to God? Okay. Daniel sought God the same way that he sought him before. Verse number 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man 30 or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? Notice how they're asking that question the same way Satan asked Eve of what God said. Okay. The same way. Have you not done this thing, king? The king answered and said, this, is, this thing is true according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered, verse 13, they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So here now they're saying, all right, king, remember this. You can't change this. It doesn't matter that you're a king. There's a law above you that says you can't change this. So you got to go through with it. Sound familiar? Laws that get created in a way that where they cannot change or they cannot be changed, where someone could make an exception and say, mm, I'm going to go ahead and change that. Sound familiar today? Uh, verse, number, verse number 16. So the king gave the command and brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve, uh, serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet, uh, and the signets of the, of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought, brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. There's no need for us as children of God to lose sleep when somebody comes against us. It doesn't matter how many people come against you, whether it's an entire group or, an, or one individual. There's no need for us to lose sleep because those that will be out there that plotting against children of God, against you as a Christian, against us as the body of Christ, they are not going to be able to sleep at night. God is not going to allow them to have that peace. Because God doesn't take it lightly when somebody comes against one of his children. But God will give us the peace that passes all understanding so that we can sleep soundly through the night. So that we can sleep soundly through the night. Deception can enter in through a loss of sleep because we believe that we can fix the problem only when only God is the one that can do it. And therefore, you lay awake at night, tossing and turning, trying to figure out how I'm going to handle this, how I'm going to handle this. And then that's how deception creeps in by saying, yeah, you got this. God can't do that. God doesn't care about you. God's busy doing other things. You go ahead and do it. And then we start deceiving ourselves and we allow ourselves to be deceived, thinking that we have an answer to the solution that only God has an answer to. Verse 19, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now, the king was exceeding exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. Okay, Daniel had faith. Okay, Daniel had an unshakable faith that God would deliver him. Is our faith unshakable? Is our faith unshakable? Shakable faith is another way deception can enter in our lives because that deception will come in there and say, Yeah, God wasn't there when you asked for that shiny red car. He gave you a minivan instead of that shiny red car. Why would God? God doesn't give you what you asked for. He gave you a minivan instead of that shiny sports car. Why would God deliver you from this situation? Why does God allow you to be in this situation this long? And then we start to get deceived. And once again, like I said earlier, we start trying to find our ways of solving the problem instead of, show, instead of letting God do it, okay? Deception also can show up by us believing that we should put other people's opinions of us above God's opinion for us, okay? And we see this with Daniel in the previous scriptures because he wasn't worried about what his peers thought of him as he was working hard. As he was distinguishing himself among others, he didn't think about what everyone else was gonna think of him because he was faithfully serving God. And that faithfulness to God is what created the promotion. Don't worry about how you are, what you're doing uh, for God and how you look to others. Don't worry about if you're the only one that stands up and says no when everyone else says yes. Don't worry about it if you're the only one that's going right when everyone else wants to go left, okay? Don't worry about it if you're the only one in your neighborhood that's taking a stand for God or the only one in the workplace taking a, taking a stand for God or the only one in your family taking a stand for God. Don't worry about what those people think because their opinion doesn't matter. God's opinion is the only one that matters and God will bless you and they may become jealous just like these governors did and just like these satraps did. They may become jealous of your success But it doesn't matter because God is within you and God is going to move you forward in a way that's going to glorify him. In a way that's going to glorify him. The spirit of God that was in Daniel is what drove him to be a faithful worker and what allowed him to be successful. Deception can also show up in our lives by having those in authority tell us that we must obey laws that are counter to the word of God. That we must go along with what everybody else is doing. That we must follow with all these other groups that are doing things counter to the word of God. That we must follow, follow them. And that we must accept their lifestyles. we must accept what they do. And that if you speak out against those things, that you're hateful. That you don't love anybody. And oh, yeah, you, you should love the person. You should love the person. Yes, God loves the person, but he hates the sin. And I can love you and still disagree with you. We can agree to disagree and still love one another. I don't care what any person says. If there's something that is past or or you being told to do something that is counter to the word of God, you don't do it. Daniel sat right there and still prayed to God, even though the king made that decree. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though we didn't look at them, some of his friends, they did the same thing under Nebuchadnezzar. They refused to bow down to that image. They were tossed into the fire, but they weren't even singed. The word of God said there wasn't even a smell of smoke or fire on their clothing. So I don't care what person in authority passes any kind of law, if it goes against the word of God, we do not follow after it. We take a stand for God and say, I am sorry, but I am not going to do that because the word of God says da 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 okay? That's why it's important for us to study the word of God so that those words come bubbling up when we need them. Deception can also enter our lives by not recognizing that success breeds jealousy. Your success will breed jealousy in others, not just because you're successful, but because you're a child of God and successful. No one wants to see Christians succeed because other than other Christians, because the people that don't know God. They look at us and say, you're, 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 you're living in a fantasy world. You're, you're following some imaginary being. You're, you're following some fairy tale. The Bible is a bunch of fairy tales. God doesn't exist. There's nothing after all of this. And so, When they see us talking about God and they see our faith and and, and us going to church and praying and reading our Bibles and and not being ashamed of who we are as children of God. And and when they see us do that and then we get promoted or we get success and, and we may even surpass their level of success, if you will. Right off the bat, they're going to already be mad at you, not just for the success you have, but because you're also a Christian. And this so-called fairytale fantasy God that doesn't exist is blessing you beyond what they can imagine. And they don't like that. Okay? They don't like that. Not everyone wants to see you be successful as a child of God. That's why I said earlier, be careful about what you tell people. When God tells you something, especially if he tells you something in secret, be very, very, very careful about who you share that with. Okay? Be very careful about that. Don't be so quick to believe what you see and what you hear. If you're unsure about anything, talk to God about it. If you're unsure about anyone, talk to God about that individual. God wants us to be successful, and he wants you to prosper in all that you set your hand to do. Ask Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the truth. Ask him for wisdom, ask him for discernment, and he will give it to you. And he will give it to you. And when you have that wisdom and discernment, You'll know when deception starts to rear its ugly head. You'll see when Satan tries to tell you lies. You'll see how Satan tries to use other people around you. You'll see how, 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 how Satan would have you to believe that God isn't there and that God doesn't have your back. right? So don't let deception enter into your life and keep you from being ready. Praise God. Well, I hope this message was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I want to thank you for the words that came forth today, Lord, and I just ask that you would help these words to come bubbling up when we need them moving forward, Lord God. I pray, Lord, for everyone that has heard this message, Lord, that you would open their eyes to be able to see when deception is coming into their lives and that you would open their eyes to the truth, Lord God, and that you would open their eyes to the real truthful things that are happening around them, Lord God. I pray, Lord, for everyone and that you would bless everyone that has heard this message and that you would strengthen us and embolden us to be able to take a stand for you and when you want us to, Lord, to be able to share what we heard today with others so that they may be blessed and that they get to come to know you, Lord God, and to know your, your saving grace, Lord God, and your tender mercies. I pray that you all go in his peace and that you remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, praise God. Again, I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, feel free to share it with others. We can be found at Genesis1.Sermon.net and Genesis1 is one word. And if you click on the subscribe button, you'll receive notifications anytime new content is posted. We also have a YouTube channel. You can look us up at genesis one Christian Ministries, and you'll be able to see all of these video messages on there. And we also have an app in the Google Play Store and in the Apple App Store. Everything is made available for free because we just want to spread the word of God so that you can know what we know and have a deep relationship with him. Praise God. I hope that you go in his blessings. I hope that you go in his peace. And I hope that you remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Be blessed. Here we are. Thank you, Lord. In your presence.